Hey, it's Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. My name is Brian, and this is a BS Conversation, a spinoff pod where we talk to the people who are making the magic happen uh, in rock and roll. We spend a lot of time talking about bands, and sometimes we get to talk to bands, and I'm super excited because tonight I have not one, not two, not three, not four, five, all five members of the rock band, the Mogwas, in the studio with me. What's up, dudes? Thanks for coming. What's uh, going on? Thanks for having us. How long have you guys known each other? Oh, we've known each other yeah, for we've years. Been uh, we all went to high school together, graduated the same year, except yeah. for Brandon. Tell me a little bit about this record and, uh, and you know, what's gone into it. For us, a combination of a lot of different, basically it was built within two two years, I guess I'd say, when you put it all together. You're coming out of COVID um, and we started writing all these songs during that time. And it's a little bit darker than I think our, our initial our first initial yeah. release, which was one of us is lying, and, and we went to this more rock sound, and and I think we really kind of <laughs> are putting out this dark emo anthemic story that that um, really reflects where we were at at that time. So you sent me the record, and I was like, mm-hmm. all right. I mean, and I love hearing bands. I love hearing music. So I've, I've done this forever. I was in commercial radio for a long time. Got in the podcasting space. My favorite thing is when bands send me their records. Drifter blew me away. Like I was like a hundred percent. This band's coming on the show. Drifter, it's a unique one because for us, we were, <clears throat> I think it was 2021 when we wrote that, maybe 2020 actually, somewhere around there, right? Um, yeah, something like that. It was during it was during COVID and uh, we wrote it, uh, Jenks and I got together, um, I think it was two or three days before we went to the studio. We had already had songs lined up to go and do and we were like, oh, I have this idea. The, the, the melody itself for the chorus was stuck in my head for about a year. Right after we had finished, one of us is lying. And I just could never really write anything verse-wise for it. And we got together and I was like, hey, let's like try and get this done before we go to the studio. It was a little bit more uh, experimental. <laughs> I think we had like tribal drums in it at one point. And yeah, and we all had tribal over it. it was <laughs> insane. The, the, chorus was, the chorus was like <laughs> three octaves higher well, than what we <laughs> could even physically do. Um, I was yeah. like, yeah, like Kellen Quinn should sing this and, and like, we'll just do that. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that we we went to the studio with it and and you know the band i don't think the band really they might have heard it once before we even got there like we were just like oh yeah here's an idea like we weren't even sure if we we're gonna like use it or, or do it at the time and uh we get into the studio and and nick uh Rizzesi, our producer kind of turns to us and he's like yeah so we're doing drifter and everybody's like oh, okay like we don't even really know it but sure like let's do it uh so i appreciate that i appreciate your your enjoyment of it do you write songs brandon and you're the drummer do i have that right <laughs> Yeah, so uh, let's just pause and appreciate that for a moment. <laughs> yes. No, we have a we have an episode of this, of this show actually called yes. "Drummers versus the Rest of the Band," and it's about how fucking crazy drummers are. <laughs> oh, so you seem like, seem like you've got your shit way more together than most drummers. <laughs> oh God, no, that's so yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that sounds just about right. <laughs> oh God. But, uh, yeah, so I do a lot of the the lyric and melody work, and and then the the music side, at least for for a lot of the demo tracking. 
um, starts a lot with with uh, Matt and I will get together and, and write some ideas down. You know, one of the, the big tip offs for me that the drummer was heavily involved in this band was how much footage you get in that music video. I was like, man, there's a lot of really good shots of the drummer. My brother's a drummer. He's in a rock band and his videos. He's always like he only gets about, you know, 15 seconds. Either the drummer is heavily involved in driving this band or his girlfriend is the videographer that shot. This <laughs> one of the two things. We just want to have Brandon's uh, sexy yeah, face that, on there. That's it. It's the, le- <laughs> the leather jacket, yeah. the oh, beard. Yeah. It's the aesthetic. <laughs> the cool thing about that video, it was uh, actually filmed in like this castle outside of Philly in like uh, Bryn Mawr. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Brandon? right around that area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the ceilings are like super high. It has like that cathedral castle thing. It was so loud mm-hmm. <laughs> from that, from the oh, like reverb and that room. Just it was crazy. Me and Jinx had the long hair and we were, we were, when we were filming that, we must have headbanged for like, I don't know, like seven hours. Cause he's just like, yeah, get into it. Give us a headbang. Oh, and you're just chugging along. <laughs> I woke up the next day and me and Matt yeah. looked at each other like, dude, is your, is your neck just absolutely killing you? He's like, I can't move. I'm, 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 <laughs> that I'm was brother. the worst neck pain ever. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and that was like that was like a th- what three days? We did we did five videos in three days or something like that. Yeah. Something crazy like that. We just filmed an entire weekend. We had Alex Zarek come out from Chicago, and and we were like, yeah. So we we rented these two locations, and those videos came out nuts. But it was it was one of those things where we had been just performing for hours and hours and hours and hours on end, and then it was like, all right, next day, do it again. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. it was crazy. do this for a living you've got to really 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 love it and so i you know i'm always interested to hear what what got you into music really my entire family's just been into music as far back as i can remember um me personally started with piano lessons when i was like a very small child i don't even know how old um then really started to become a big part of my life in high school you know getting more into band and then Luke got me into choir. So that's when I started singing. And, you know, me, Luke, Dolan, and Jenks have been playing music in my parents' <laughs> basement since we were like 12 years old. <laughs> Just, you know, never really did, you know, anything as serious as this, obviously. But, you know, it was just something that was always a part of my life. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of unavoidable for me. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, once we started this, I was like, okay, yeah. This is what I've been looking for. For me, uh, my interest in music started when I was like four. Um, we used to go on like family vacation car rides and stuff, and I was addicted. My rock and roll start was Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. This is, this is why I asked um, this I was, question because that shit, <laughs> it still bangs, dude. I don't know the last time yeah, dude. you put on the greatest oh, totally. hits at a party. Oh, I play it all the time. That's great. So that's that's the first band I fell in love with. It was actually the first album I ever got. I got it from my grandfather. As I got older, waiting for my voice to drop, it just like never really did. <laughs> um, I sang in an all girls choir when I was in eighth grade like i just was ridiculously high voiced so i picked up the bass guitar to to cover 
that I hit puberty at the ripe age of 16 years old. And uh, up until that point, my voice, I'm still, uh, you know, still my karaoke song is Your Love by the Outfield. Uh, because I can, oh, nice. I, I can get that note and it sounds better than any other note that I hit. Like if I'm singing that high and I can maintain it, it's the best my voice sounds. Uh, so to get A, to say that I relate. But B, uh, you're talking about the choir in the eighth grade. When I was in the sixth, fifth grade, sixth grade, I uh, got assigned a solo in the in the choir uh, concert. And it was that song. I think it's like a Frank Sinatra song. I think he made it popular. Like, the, would you like to swing on a star? Carrie Moonbeam's Home in a Jar. Do you know the song? Okay. So there is each chorus or each verse ends with, or would you like to be a blank? And then there's a there's mm-hmm. a verse about whatever the blank is. And so I got assigned the pig. Would you like to be a pig? <laughs> and so like the choir's saying all this. And my, my dad thought it was cool that I had a solo and he was a big necktie guy. And he's like, I have a necktie that has pigs on it. <laughs> and you can wear the necktie. So just imagine me. I weigh all of soaking wet 78 pounds. And my voice is up here. And the whole choir sets me up. Or would you like to swing on a star? And it's, or would you like to be? And I walk out with my, like the neckties as big as me. Or would you like to be a pig? (laughs) (laughs) What I'm saying is, Luke, you're my favorite member of this band. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) That was funny. I actually got into it because my dad and my whole family is very musical, but my dad really showed me like Judas Priest was the first band when I was like really young. So like... I used to like steal my parents' camcorder and sing in front of it at like three years old, and I'd be have a leather jacket on and singing, heading out to the highway, and I had like a fake guitar and stuff like that. And um, so all my life, I like loved Judas Priest, loved Iron Maiden, '80s hair metal stuff like that. The second I was playing in a band, I was like, oh man, this is like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Like, there's nothing better than playing in a, a bands with like a, all my friends. Like these guys are my best friends before I started doing this show or before I got really into researching music, like this is what I thought bands were, right? I thought it was a bunch of best friends who play music together. Right. And then you find out that there's like all sorts of other versions of what a band is. And a lot of times they all hate each other or eventually they do. Right. But I want to imagine that it's a bunch of guys who grew up and went to middle school together and went to high school together and like figured out at a certain point that there was nothing else that made them happy. So I have two sisters. <laughs> so growing right up, so- you know all the Chicago songs too? Because that was my thing is like, you're the inspiration was like on repeat in my sister's room. It was more like Backstreet Boys and uh, Spice right Girls. Right <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I have a really cool uncle that plays guitar. One day he brought over like an entire, I guess, he, I don't even know. It was like 150 cassette tapes and it was all like Motley Crue, ACDC, all like the, the rock and roll stuff. So I kind of was like, oh, that's so awesome. Um. So I got a lot of bit of that too, but the first thing that really kind of got me like, oh, I love rock music was I heard a band called Breaking Ben on the radio and we're from like the Scranton, Pennsylvania area. And I thought it was like the coolest thing. I was like, oh my God, this band was like from our area. Just went on a deep dive and like got into just all hard rock, heavy metal kind of stuff. Extended family members getting good coverage in this band and on this show today, right? The the mm-hmm. uncles, the grandparents, 
the brothers and sisters. So shouts to that. That's sort of the magic, right? Like I love that it is a thing that gets sort of passed down. The other thing we talk about on the show all the time is our, you know, really the core is the rock rumors and innuendo. And so I think there's like two things that happen when you fall in love with music. You can fall in love with music and you could like be totally into Tchaikovsky or whatever, right? You can then there's the rock and roll side of it. And I think you fall in love with rock, with rock and roll and really like want to be in a band. The, after the first time you hear some crazy ass story about rock and roll. So <laughs> I love asking musicians what crazy story was the one that pushed them over the edge. I loved like VH1 behind the music. So I would watch like all of them. Mm-hmm. So like, I fell in love with Metallica when I was like 12 years old. Wild rock star stuff. And the whole thing with Dave Mustaine. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, then I dove into some kind of monster and all that stuff. I couldn't get enough of that. One yeah. of the defining moments of my of my life at that age was somehow coming across the Def Leppard behind the music. Yeah. Specifically the moment, we've talked about this on the show before, specifically the moment where it is revealed that the drummer got a drum solo so that the rest of the guys could go downstairs and bang groupies. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, what? Yeah. And I was, I was a preacher's kid. I was like not allowed to watch MTV. I'm pretty sure I watched whatever that was like hiding in my grandparents' basement when they didn't know. Like I famously say one of the only times my grandpa ever yelled at me was when he caught me watching MTV. So like, <laughs> I definitely was not supposed to see that Def Leppard shit. And it still to this day, I can remember just standing by the TV and being like, wait, what? I think while we're on the Metallica topic, I think one of the craziest and you were telling me about this, Dalton, because I didn't know this happened was when they played that show in Russia. Oh yeah, and didn't they in didn't they play to like a mil, like over a million people in Moscow? Yeah, and that was didn't they play to like over AC, a million DC people and like and Metallica and I forget the other band, but it was like when they when the USSR got you know disbanded and they had they were allowed to have music in Russia again and they had that massive concert Moscow '91. I watched that concert over and over and over again. I was big into like Warped Tour and that kind of stuff. So for me, I, I have a distinct memory of like being in my early teens, like 13, 14, whatever, and having one of those like Warped Tour compilation CDs and uh, listening to like Alisana at the time. And, and I think it was Escape the Fate or Falling Reverse or one of those. I think it was Escape the Fate. And then I got into the drama of like Ronnie and Falling Reverse and him like going to prison, I think, or something like that. So I think the, the rumor at the time was that because I, you know, at that time, I don't think I really research is hard it was like ronnie killed somebody or, or ronnie was in jail because he killed somebody and i was like yo that's so awesome <laughs> like it's like just like i was like this band's awesome like i i can't tell you how often i listened to those bands at that time because i was just like yeah like that's a good one and it's one of those that i know just this much about ever firsthand witnessed any crazy rock and roll shenanigans eric's got that time with uh joe uh, <laughs> we got a lot of crazy stories we were yeah good beer was out that was it. 2019 i think um so we were basically always looking around seeing who was coming around you know the scranton area 
one of the shows was uh, Forever Came Calling, doing an acoustic set. We started talking to, you know, Joe, the vocalist, and started talking, and then we were like, oh, you know, like, we should take uh-huh. you out around Scran. <laughs> you know, there's cool places to go, and he just kept saying the whole time, "I want to do yeah, something." So, yeah. so we, so we went to the dugout. You know, it's it's a classic dive bar, great place. You know, we sat there and drank at least a couple hours. So we were having a great time. You know, talking about music, life, everything. He kept saying, "You know, like I want to do something like crazy and specific to Scran." And finally, I had the idea to take him to the Uh-oh. Scran Lace Factory. So Scranton Lace Factory is just as it seems. It used to be an old lace factory, you know, kind of like a landmark in the area. Uh, but it's been abandoned and, you know, just empty for years and years. And, you know, in high school, it was always one of those things where it's like, oh, let's go to the lace factory and like <laughs> fuck around, like see if we find anything crazy. <laughs> You know, there'd be rumors of like, oh, I saw like a bloody okay. weapon. You could also like noises. Yeah, it's not safe at all. Yeah. It's also incredibly dangerous. <laughs> I decide that at I don't know two thirty in the morning, me and Joe should go to the lace factory. So we go to the lace factory, and they have a tower, and that was always the thing. It's like, oh, you got to climb the tower at the lace factory. None of it was safe, <laughs> so it was probably a really bad idea overall. But we did it. We went there. It was like three in the morning. I remember receiving Snapchats. Yeah, we were receiving Snapchats from you. And you're like standing like seven stories up on the lace factory at three o'clock in the morning. Like, look at it. It's Joe. It's Joe from Forever Came Call at the lace factory. Oh, my God. Eric Eric posted a a blurry photo from the top of the lace factory onto our Instagram story. (laughs) And we were all like... At three in the morning, I'm like, dude, what? And he's like, yes, I went out with Joe, and we were, you know, we couldn't believe that. I thought Brandon like, was going to have a heart attack seeing that photo on our Instagram <laughs> yeah. story. He's like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? So the record the record drops on November tenth. Mm-hmm. It's two years of your blood, sweat, and tears. What do you what do you hope people take away from it? I mean, I, I think that the record itself. I hope that people take away just the emotion that we put into it. I think that there's a real eclectic sound to it all. But the one defining feature throughout all the songs is just we don't hold back any of the emotion that we're feeling. And Brandon does a real good job of like building out lyrics that you can relate to. And I think that we really have an idea in our heads when we go into the studio is to try and make this, you know, as big as we, a, a production as we can, uh, but also like to have that raw feeling of like, you know, these are just five dudes putting in everything that they have. I uh, really appreciate you guys coming on the show. And uh, we're going to like, wait, what songs should we end on off the new record? Ooh. I would. That's up to y'all. I mean, I love bad times. Just I would think. say bad times are too bad close. Times? Those are my two. All right. 
Yes. All right. Dalton's calling the shots. See, I'd have like it, it seemed like Brandon was in charge at the beginning of this interview. It feels like <laughs> Dalton's in charge at the end of this interview. <laughs> <That's> it. <laughs> it's the Magwas. This song is called Bad Times, and this is Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. Thanks, dude. So thank you thank so you. much. Thank you.